Anyone's Game podcast. Following women's football. Hello everyone, welcome to another Anyone's Game podcast. I'm your host, Gordon McComb, and joining me tonight are Robbie Henrati. Good evening. And Kenny Vogue. Good evening, Gordon. Good evening, gents. In this episode, we're looking at Scotland's 3-1 defeat to Wales in the Pinatar Cup and the tricky start to Pedro Martinez Lose's reign as Scotland boss. We also chat about the under-19s who are halfway through a double header against the same opponents. They'll play Wales again in Wrexham on Friday. Domestically, we react to the news of the SWPL 1 and 2 clubs, switching from SWF oversight for that of the SPFL, in a move much simpler to explain than me reading those acronyms. And even with internationals this week, there's still Sunday football for you to take in. We've picked a few games that could be worth your time at the weekend. First up is that defeat earlier for Scotland, returning to only the second Pinotar Cup as champions, but won't get to contest the title anymore with that 3-1 defeat to Wales. It's not been uh, the week away in Spain that we hoped for. That wasn't at all, Gordon. I would say it was very disappointing. To start with a defeat in Wales against Wales, you'd want to be continuing the momentum, the second in the group currently for World Cup qualification, and you'd hope to be at least contesting the Pinfair Cup once again. But to lose the first game was disappointing, and the manner of some of the goals that they conceded was probably the worst thing that Pedro Martinez will take away from that game. Yeah, I've got to agree with you, Robbie. We all went into this with sort of high hopes. And I think, like you said, uh, on the back of the World Cup qualifying campaign, you just want to keep up momentum. And although it's, you know, it's a friendly invitational cup, being the holders, you just want to you just want to do well. And I mean, it started so positively in the, in the first half. When Scotland took the lead, I just thought they would sort of carry on from there. Yeah, I agree. When they, when they took the lead, you think to yourself, this is going to be not a walkover because Wales and it's got to be no easy side, but you think to yourself, okay, we can build a bit of momentum from this. We've had 60% possession. We're building up, we're creating chances for ourselves. Yeah, like you say, I mean, the goal Robbie was taking so well, wasn't it? And it was brilliant play from Caroline Weir. Uh, I thought as well that Jane Ross did very well to sort of hold up the play and sort of wait until Kirsty Grimshaw could sort of catch up. And then obviously the cross into the box was inch perfect. And if you give Lana Clellan service like that, then she will score goals. But... Like you were saying, I think you were going to say, Robbie, there was a bit of... Um, it's just been a bit of the sort of Pedro martinez Losa story so far, hasn't it? The sort of defensive mistakes. Yeah, I'd say so, um, Kenny. It was a bit naive. Three minutes later, Scotland could only hold the league for three minutes. I think that's what disappointed me the most. Last in three minutes, Jenna Clark gives away a penalty... It's probably a bit clumsy and naive, to be honest. Yeah, like you say, I mean, you, you know yourself, we've all watched football for many a years, and it's that sort of lack of concentration after taking the league, isn't it? Taking the lead. You know, you, if you can just hold that lead to half time, then, you know, but, you know, the confidence are going ahead, and then the players, obviously, like you were going to say, conceding the penalty, grinning at half time at one each, is, you know, you just wonder what sort of effect that had. Yeah, and I'm sure the remit of Pedro Martinez Losa to the players at that point, because it was an added time for the first half that we opened the scoring through Clellan. So you'd be thinking, okay, we can just get into the dressing room and can identify what what's went well. We're one up. That's what you'd be thinking. And then there's a bit of a clumsy challenge from Jenna Clark and gives away a pen in one of the last that action of the half. Wales equalise. Yeah, and you look at it as well. I mean. 
Martinez Losa made changes at half time. He did sort of come out positively, but again, it was just the sort of chances. Um, you know, like we spoke about off air, Robbie, the chances we, we could have been, been ahead in that match. I mean, Claire Elmsley, no, Claire Elmsley, great player, but I mean, she should have burst the net. And then Abby Harrison, what a chance she has. Yeah, two, two quality players and two misses that are probably uncharacteristic from those players. Claire Elmsley for Everton, she's in fine form, scores a lot of goals, creates a lot of goals, and to fire over the bar unmarked from close range, it was, it was baffling, to be honest, though. We've all been there. And I wonder if sometimes the does the confidence seep back? You know, we're sort of dominating the match, we get more possession, we have the chances, and then before you know it, we're two one down. Wales' first chance of the match. Yeah, and that just shows that Wales, the, the clinical didn't have that very much of possession in the match at that point, or shots either. And then the the first chance that's not from the penalty spot from Fishlock in fifty third minute. They take it, and it was just, you know, they probably picked our pocket in a way with that goal because Lisa Robertson and Jan Beatty won't be looking back too fondly on that goal because they're kind of getting a bit of a mix-up, do they? Yeah, well, Jess Fishlock was certainly a, hand, a handful. She, she seemed a bit of a handful all game, but she is a quality player. I mean, she won the Champions League with Leon. She's played at the highest level all over the world. She's played in Holland, Australia. She even had a loan spell at Glasgow City. She scored two goals in six games for Glasgow City, won the league and the cup, and helped them get to the last eight of the Champions League. So I think she just seemed a little bit too much for a Scotland backline today. Yeah, definitely must be the Wales women's version of Gareth Bale then, the star player, and it clearly caught Scotland cold because then the third goal that happened on the 61st minute from Hardling, it was one of those that you could say it was a... Um, good effort, but goalkeeper Jana Fyke and she has to do better and probably not get beat out in the post, really, would you say? Yeah, like you say, it's a, it's a cute effort. I mean, you can see what she's trying to do, but Fife, unfortunately for Jana Fife, she just, it was a bad day at the office, bad day at the office all around, but you've got to think of the conditions as well. You know, we've been over here, I mean, it's how, how warm is it over there? Um, you know, how much time have the girls had together? And I suppose the question has to be, well, Gordon, you're the one to ask it, but how do we move forward? It's uh, it's certainly difficult. It's certainly difficult. I think one of the things you've got to point towards uh, in terms of where there's perhaps a little bit of a, of a silver lining to pull is that, once again, it's not so much a silver lining. It feels more like an excuse, but uh, there's been a lot of reshuffling up front uh, for, for Scotland and for Martinez Losa again, we saw that at the back today as well. No Corsi. Instead, it's uh, Lisa Robertson deputising at centre-half. And that that's perhaps an experiment that won't get retried because, of, like you were saying, the, the error for the second goal, I think it's Robertson, Beatty and Emsley all rush towards the ball and it leaves that massive gap. But if you've got, to be honest, if you've got a, another Jen Beatty who's, who, should have, who should know and have, you know, be better to, to, to marshal that, the space as much as worrying about where the ball's going, and to kind of cover Fishlock's run, it's so easy for Fishlock to tap in the second. You can put some of that down to uh, the changing of, of personnel. So once we get a settled squad, will things get slightly better? Uh, I'm, I'm sure of it. Uh, the problem is at the moment, it's been disjointed in terms of the squads. It's now been reflected in, in the results as well. So uh, certainly uh, plenty of question marks um, for Martinez Losa, but uh, certainly a lot of explanations as to why. But 
I mean, for, for the pair of you, what, what do you make of it now? This is uh, seven games deep for Martinez Glossa. We've seen uh, a real mixed bag of results. How, how do we feel about his, his time in charge so far? Well, well, I'll start, Gordon. I'd say three wins, one draw and one loss. That's why I said keep the momentum going. At times, yeah, we've relied on a last-minute goal a couple of times to win games. We've tried to implement a better footballing style, and I think Pedro Martinez Loza, he says all the right things, and he's a likeable character, and you want Scotland to do well under his management, I'd say. I've got to agree with you, Robbie. I think it all looks positive. And, I mean, you watch today even when, when Scotland take the lead, there's, there seems to be a real togetherness in the side, and Martinez Lowe's has gone right up. He's, he's you know, he's high-fiving all the subs, and everyone seems to be sort of behind him. And I think playing, although today was a different point in result, but playing in tournaments like this when you're playing against teams ranked down about you, uh, and I know it's only a friendly tournament, but there's still a competitive aspect, and that gives the girls more time together, and you know, gets and get, helps them get to know one another. And I believe things like that can only be a positive for the team. So, I mean, although this has been a bad result today, hopefully we can take this experience into the World Cup qualifiers, and it'll make us stronger. Yeah, and I agree, Kenny. Even the game, the friendly match against Sweden, it wasn't until Federino, Rolfo and Magdalena Eriksson came on that Scotland really got overrun. They ran them close. I know listeners might point to the 8-0 defeat by Spain, but other than that, I think there's a lot of positives under Martinez Lozer reign. Another positive I did think today was Sam Kirsch came on on the other mark. She's back in fine form domestically for Rangers. So to see her back in the Scotland setup and then getting on the pitch, it was a welcome sight. There's a one kind of issue for me. I don't want to be the one that dampens all the all the positivity that we've got going on. I just think we look so let let's say disjointed is 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 the word for it. But there's a, a lack of cohesion going forward. We look really ponderous and, and you can put that down the first couple of games to, to us learning the style and, and getting used to the way that Pedro wants the wants the side to play you're now at game seven in a in a friendly tournament where you've said you're going to experiment a little bit I, I appreciate that and I'm still not seeing a de- development of how the team plays more than what we saw in in, in game one against Hungary uh, I, I still see that same kind of move the ball left and right with what actually penetrate particularly well get to the final third and we, I think against Wales you saw that same, exact same issue that it's not even that we're creating chances of really high quality we're creating some chances and look we get one but for, for all that possession what do we do with it not a great deal and, and the flip side of it is, is, is the thing that's much more concerning for me is that Wales sat back sucked up uh, sucked up the pressure you know dealt with it really reasonably well I think you know obviously there's, there's a couple of chances we missed and we could perhaps do better but the real concern is that they hit us on the counter-attack and we look a mess. In transition, we don't look ready. We don't look set, which is understandable. But there's a, there's a, a real nervousness about that back line that either screams out you need a leader or you need some, some stronger organisation to know who's meant to be where and when. Um, so not one to dampen uh, the mood with too much negativity. But I just, like I say, my, my big concern, we all, we all want them to do well, but... Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're game seven now uh, and the style hasn't moved on, hasn't, hasn't kind of taken hold in the same way that, that you'd expect it to versus how it was in game one. And that's, and that's a major concern for me. Can I chime in there, Gordon, on that point? I think you make a very good point there because for all I do see, there's a lot more possession, there's a lot more chances as such. Goal-bound opportunities we do create, but for all the players Scotland have at their disposal, 
I know today we didn't have like of Lisa Evans, Richard Corsi or Eddie Cuthbert, but even the players on the park, I just don't understand why these players can be performing at the highest, be at the top of the game at club level, but then come to Scotland and the glowing chances that should be taken. And I think it's just been luck at times. I don't want to play that hard luck story, but some things with Scotland, it's just been finding up turning that form for the national team. And it was the same under Stuart McLaren as well. When he was an interim charge, the same team kind of occurred. You've got to give the give the, the players a chance to gel. I mean, I know the, the back line changes all the time as well with injuries and stuff like that. I mean, the sort of one consistent is obviously Jen Beatty. Jenna Clark's been in there as well, but she's a young player. You know, she, she she made a mistake today for the penalty. And I don't know, I think, you know, they've seven games together uh, under a new style of management with a, new, a completely different outlook on how the game's played and how the, how the, the, the girls should play together. So I think we just need to cut them a little bit of slack. And I think I can back up what you say, Robbie. It could be the bad luck. It could be the sort of Scotland story. But I suppose one positive from today uh, was the fact that Celtic captain Kelly Clark made her debut. So that's something, obviously. Well done to Kelly Clark with her first cap for Scotland. Yeah, well done to Kelly Clark on that cap. I thought it was fantastic. Probably merited, considering she's made over 200 appearances for Celtic. I would also just let you see, you know, Kenny, I've kind of back up you a little bit of positivity and say Jenna Clark out of position at right back. Um, you can't quite see what happens uh, from the match footage in the build up towards uh, the penalty. It looks like she's out of position and there's a, a ghost run behind her. She's, she's got sucked in towards the kind of right centre half role. Again, understandable from someone who's regularly a centre half, kind of deputising out at right back. Um, I don't think the challenge for the penalties is that bad. I think she's got to, she's got to commit. I don't think there's too much wrong with it. Um, she does immediately after she gets up, says I got the ball, but then kind of concedes that very quickly. Um, I do think it's a foul, but I, you know, in terms of her recovery, it's not it's not horrendous, and you know, you know she's got to put the challenge in. My question then from that goes back to where was the organisation uh, and where was the you know this where where was the the one shouting at right here's where you'll need to be here's where you need to do, to do this here's where you need to do that you've got let's see someone inexperienced at right half. We need to be a little bit more alert and alive, especially like, like we raised after going ahead to then concede right at the brink of halftime. It's an absolute sickener and, and to be honest, so, so avoidable. The only way you can gain experience in these big games is to play younger players. You know, that's the only way that they're going to get any better. And I mean, Martinez Losa said that in his aftermatch interview. We're here to experiment. We're here to try things to try and improve the squad. So you can look at it the way, you know, disappointing today, but in the long term for the national team, is this going to improve us? Well, if things aren't great for the first team at the moment, the under-19s could provide plenty of excitement for SWPL fans. 17 of the 20 called up by Pauline Hamill play in the SWPL 1 or 2, and they'll face Wales on Friday. Surely a, a lot to look forward to, guys. Yeah, absolutely, Gordon. Well, we won the first game of two against Wales under-19s earlier in the week with goals from London Pollard and Bailey Hutchison. So I think it's a positive start with a big squad of SWPL players there. I hope to maybe rotate and we'll see some more players and more regular faces on the score sheet. And Kenny, obviously good to see, like we see so many SWPL players, but so many of them actually already in the first team at their, their, their club side. So, you know, this is the, the natural step that you know, play at the under-19s, get get used to international football, how it works and all that kind of thing. And for some of them, they're well used to it. 
But the next step is obviously expecting to see them appear for the, the senior side as well. Yeah, 100%. I mean, as I mentioned earlier on, it's all about getting these players' experience. And the fact that a lot of these now are in the 19 squad play regularly in SWPL 1 and 2 and are testing themselves against... I mean, let's be honest, Glasgow City, Rangers and Celtic have got, you know, some fantastic footballers from all across the world. So these players are getting that sort of experience with their club sides and then they're going away with the national team and again playing players on a similar sort of level. And again, for the future of the national side, this is what we want. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Kenny. And just even seeing Aberdeen, young Aberdeen defender Jessica Broderick captaining the uh, under-19 side, she, she's one of these players that sometimes goes under the radar in SWPL, but when I watched her, especially against Rangers in the League Cup early in the season, someone that's very comp- a ball-playing defender that's confident playing the ball out from the back, and that's can only be positive. She's captaining Scotland at 18, 19 years old. Hopefully she can come through. You see Jenna Clark, she's only 20 years old, now getting a start under Martinez Loza. So really, you just want to see that progression from these under-19s. You've got Robin McCafferty as well, playing Cali Gibb. You want that progression from under-19s to the first team to be seamless, hopefully. I think you touched on it earlier, Robbie, as well. The goals, I mean, Bailey Hutchison and London Pollard both scoring for the country. I mean, to see London Pollard grab her first goal for Motherwell, uh, to see her sort of come out on her own, you know, and scoring now for our national team. And, I mean, same with Bailey Hutchison. I mean, you, obviously, you were raving about her all last season in SWPL too. And for her to be out there scoring for our national side, it's just going to give these young girls the confidence to sort of carry on. And, I mean, you never know. We could see London Pollard, Bailey Hutchison playing down in England one day, uh, playing at World Cups for the national side. It's just it's just so exciting for the future. Yeah, exactly. With the way the ones game is going, you just never know. Like we say, the, the, the kind of the nicest thing about all this and the, and the reason why we've, we've put it in uh, as, as a feature of the podcast is because these are players, or by and large, a lot of these players in the squad we're saying that, you know, are featuring for SWPL ones. Like we've already said, we kind of a feature of their senior squads at the club level as well. But it's this combination of things. It obviously helps the Scotland national side get better. But the other thing is it makes the SWPL one and SWPL two by extension as well. Uh, more appealing to watch that you know you've got future internationals playing and you can see the pathways and the, a product for the league as much as it is a, a benefit for the for the national side that the league knows it's it's producing uh, you know young talent that's going to make the next step up yeah i think that's I think that's crucial even for a viewership point of view as well people take interest in under 19s because of that in the fact that at least three quarters of that Scotland under 19 squad play in the SWPL regularly, even looking at the bench on Tuesday night, you've got players like Rosie McQuillan, who has stepped up and scored some important goals for Spartans since signing in the summer. And you've got Amelie Burst, you've got Bailey Collins, who's a regular at Aberdeen. So that shows the depth that they've got. And as I say, they probably will on Friday. They can retake that squad and they'll still be confident they can beat Wales again 2-0. Time for us to switch back to domestic football as SWPL sides confirmed their decision to make the switch over to SPFL leadership. Hamilton Academical said it was the best way forward after hearing proposals from both the SPFL and the SWF. But what do we make of the move? Kenny, why don't you uh, start with your thoughts on this? I think it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, And you know me, anything that can grow the game in Scotland, anything that can grow the women's game across the world is is absolutely, I think it's brilliant news. Uh, I think the fact that the SPFL have said that they will sort of try and follow the same setup as the men's, 
and obviously bring in sponsorship because that's what we need to see if we get the, the more sponsorship we can bring in then obviously the more success we'll bring to the league the more viewers will come to the league but not only that we can hopefully filter it down the system and you could see clubs down in you know the, the Scottish champ, the championships perhaps we can benefit from this and the whole, you know, just grow the game. The fact they've took over the League Cup as well, again, more potential sponsorship. I just hope that uh, whatever whatever the SPFL have promised, they can sort of follow up with it. Yeah, I'd have to echo your views there, Kenny. I think it's a fantastic move for Scottish women's football to move themselves to the SPFL. I think being under that umbrella, which is a very successful brand and well-known, as you mentioned, with sponsorships, but also, I think... In the proposals, they're going to encourage clubs to use the actual stadiums as much as possible. And that's been something that's been widely talked about amongst supporters. Even Harry Dewar, BBC broadcaster, highlighted that at the weekend, the fact that the Hearts versus Hibs women's game got 5,500, but the Old Firm game was not played at the club stadium and had quite a poor attendance. So it's something that clubs will hopefully have been encouraged Maybe it'll be something in season ticket books for the men's to include the women's. And I think it's just progressive overall for just football. There's been different times throughout the season where both the men's teams and women's teams of clubs have played at the same time, making it hard for supporters to choose what version of their club they want to support. Will there be a push for the women's games to be played maybe on the same day, but at different times to compensate this? So say Partick Thistle's men were playing at three o'clock, would there be the chance for Partick Thistle women to play at 12 or 6? No, it's a fair point. There's probably a number of factors that go into that. You've one got the SPFL fixtures that go out and then are subject to change quite late in the day by television. We've got the same situation within the SWPL. I think what I said earlier was that I think this does provide us with an opportunity. The SPFL have got some quite advanced and sophisticated fixture and software that allows you to actually factor in a number of parameters that... I personally think that is something we should be looking at is how we provide the best opportunity for supporters to get along to whichever version of the club it is they want to watch. I think what I would say is the football calendar is incredibly tight now. There's virtually no weeks and it's difficult to find dates. So there may inevitably be situations where that happens, but I think we can proactively work to minimise the number of times that happens and encourage more spectators to get along because that's another... A key part of our strategy is to grow the, the, the physical audiences that attend attending games. My only worry with, like you touched on it there, obviously with the there being such a poor attendance at the ladies' old firm game, is that you know playing a playing a big game like that at Ibrox or Parkhead, absolutely fantastic for the players. But could it be detrimental to the players playing in such you know in a, such a big stadium with so many little people there? Well, Kenny, important that you bring up because I was kind of the, the next question for me was. Um, with all these proposals, like you say, it's important that the SPFL is in a position to deliver them, and it isn't isn't over promising, which you know is entirely possible. But the, the move to put uh, clubs in their own stadiums, I always find a bit of a strange one, especially when you're watching teams fail to pack stadiums out. So uh, perhaps clubs that have dropped down uh, down the tiers and and formerly, you know, the big powers that have then got a big stadium but then don't fill it. I think you always lose a little bit of atmosphere there. Now, I, I'm not saying that as, as a reason to not, for Celtic and Rangers to not play at the grounds, Aberdeen, your, your Hibs, you know, anyone. But I do think there has to be a kind of a measured decision-making process on whether or not it makes sense to do that. For the big money fixtures, for, for your big derbies, yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, but I do think there perhaps should be some consideration to the fact that having a smaller stadium 
more full is better than playing at your home stadium for the sake of being able to play at your home stadium. Don't get me wrong, the facilities, I'm sure, make a difference to the players and all that kind of thing. But a huge empty stadium can't be nice as a player on the pitch. But you feel the, feel the emptiness of the atmosphere. Well, I do wonder, like you say, it would be fantastic for the players, but I do wonder with the... I mean, you look at Okinawa, you look at the Motherwell Partick Thistle game that we attended one day, Gordon, and it was a small crowd, but it was a fantastic atmosphere. You know, you could you could feel the atmosphere, you could feel, you could feel the tension. And I mean, I've been at a few games at Okinawa, Rangers Aberdeen, for instance. Again, it was a small crowd, but you could sort of feel the tension and the atmosphere was there. But the hope would be that with the SPFL now getting involved, that, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight, but... We can, I'm not going to say it's going to get you know, as much coverage as other sports in the country, but if we can keep growing the game, keep getting the name out there, get more sponsorship and bring more money in, then who knows? I mean, you could have 15,000 at Ibrooks. I'm not saying you're going to get 50,000 at Ibrooks to say a Rangers-Celtic old firm match, but you never know. I mean, look at in the past with the Scottish national team. Again, it's all about building up the excitement. And hopefully this season, with, if we can get a title race, which it looks like for me, we had a fantastic title race last season. If we can keep that going, have another one this season. I mean, me and Robbie, we were lucky enough to be at Clyde's ground uh, when Glasgow City won Broadway. the league. Broadwood, yeah. yeah. And what, what, what a day that was. And there was a really good crowd at that one as well. So if we can just keep building it up and hopefully this partnership with the SPFL will only continue that journey for the clubs. And even on the topic of excitement and the way the whole Scottish women's football landscape's changing, this season there's going to be playoffs from SWF Championship North and South. And they're going to be more teams coming into SWPL too. I think that's going to be quite exciting and also potentially help attract better broadcasting deals as well. Because at the moment, you've got BBC Alba, but there's no reason why, speaking about sponsorship for the league, in terms of names, broadcasting as well, that could easily improve over the next few years. And not only that, Robbie, you're going to have to play off this season from the team that comes ninth in SWPL 1. They're going to play second in SWPL 2. And obviously, we know what happens. Uh, you know, one gets relegated, one wins, whatever. But, I mean, that can only build excitement. And again, hopefully just bring just bring more excitement to the game. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because the more big games, the better. You mentioned earlier about title race. And that's why you want no one to run away with it because you want that close games, get the hype around it. Us at anyone's game, we try our best to put the hype around women's football. And then get people along in appreciating the game because there are some fantastic games at all levels of women's football in Scotland. Just before we uh, started recording, Rachel Donaldson was announced as a new signing for Partick Thistle. Uh, she left Celtic in December and has been described by Brian Graham as the signing that could help take his club to the next level. I mean, what do we make it first up of you know the move for Rachel, you know, from stepping away from Celtic in December to playing for Partick? I just think she wants to get sort of back playing football again. I mean, if you see what she said herself, Gordon, she was really, really happy to become a Partick Thistle player. Because when she left Celtic, she wasn't sure she wanted to continue playing football. And the fact that Brian Graham has perhaps put an arm around her and encouraged her and told her to come to the club, she can be the spearhead, help the club stay in SWPL1. I think she might just want to go there and test herself again, reinvent her career and see exactly what she can do. Yeah, I, I thought that, Kenny, when I seen that transfer, she's 25 years old now. If you're saying to yourself, am I going to continue playing football? It's kind of that moment where you want to find a club that takes you under your wing and you're happy there. And I think Brian Graham seems that sort of coach that gets on all those players and 
he's found something good there, I think, as well at Park Thistle, considering, speak about promotions and playoffs, Partick didn't even think they'd be in the league this season in the top tier. And it's maybe that bit of experience that Partick need up front. I mean, we saw that game, the game, you know, against Motherwell, the 2-2 draw. Partick had a couple of chances where they could have won the match. And you just wonder if Rachel will give them that little bit extra. And can I just say a massive shout out as well to whoever does the graphics at Partick Thistle? Because the Twitter present, the Twitter video was tremendous. And well done to Rachel for doing all the keepy ups. We'll round up with the pick of the games from Sunday. It's a more limited calendar than usual. But what games are we urging folks to go to this week? Well, myself and Robbie decided we'd focus on the SWF Championship South this weekend. Obviously, with it being an international break and not so many SWPL1 games to go to, but we were looking at the sort of top of the league, weren't we, Robbie? And we thought Gart Cairn against Morton. I mean, Gart Cairn have been an absolute fire. They've scored 93 goals in 15 games. And they're just, they're three points to get at the top of the league, but they're just, their goal difference is unbelievable. And Morton, they've not been the worst defensively, but they lay ninth in the table. And we fear that Morton might be, might be due a backlash after the obviously heavy defeat to Hibs in the Cup this weekend. So we fear for Morton, don't we, Robbie? Yeah, we definitely do. And I backed up that SWF Championship South recommendations this Sunday with Rossville, who are second in the division. They face Edinburgh Caledonia, who are eighth on Sunday. And Rossville have only lost two games this season, so are in great form. But I just wonder, there'd be a shock on the cards. Edinburgh Caledonia have been one of those sides that been very inconsistent. They've had eight wins, six losses, and one draw. So they've had some wins against top or sides above them, but they've also lost games. And it's one of those that could be unpredictable. But with Rossville averaging five or more goals per game and looking an exciting team to watch, I'd certainly recommend any listeners to get along to that game. Another game we looked at that could be a barrel load of goals was Airdrie Ladies. They currently lie 14th on the table, and they're playing Clyde, who are up in 11th. But the interesting fact is the two sides have nearly conceded 100 goals against them this season, and with only five points separating them, uh, we just feel this could be an interesting one and could perhaps see an upset here from Airdrie Ladies. All right, some great selections from you guys there. Just a reminder of the SWPL fixtures that are taking place this weekend. Celtic play Hearts in the 2 o'clock game. That's also live on telly. Partick Thistle will host Spartans as well in a battle that's right down at the playoff places for relegation into SWPL2. So plenty of intrigue perhaps going ahead there at Peters Hill Park. You'd expect Celtic to, to triumph against Hearts. I mean, the Celtic side should be buoyant, especially after that old firm Scottish Cup win last weekend. And I would expect Spartans, will be, they'll be looking to bounce back. Obviously, bad defeat against... Aberdeen in the Cup at the weekend, but I just wonder if Rachel Donaldson might come, you know, that might be our full debut, and could she be the one that makes a difference on Sunday for Partick? Yeah, I think it's exciting games, Nest will PR1 on Sunday, and Hearts, got to remember, just before the Scottish Cup break last weekend, Hearts beat Motherwell, who I was praising quite a lot on the podcast, 1-0, and then in the Cup, they defeated Dundee United 2-1, a game that I would have described as a banana skin for Hearts, so wonder Celtic we've seen the form they've been in but I think it might be closer than people think and as you say London Pollard we mentioned earlier in the show with scoring a first Motherwell goal and then now scoring for under 19s I think Partick Thistle they want to the second bottom at the moment no one wants to have that playoff 
relegation place because they'll be playing against a team on the rise in SWPL to second place. So it's one that Van Green will be doing all he can. That's why he's got Richard Donaldson in to get himself out of that bully. Over in the SWPL 2, Boromir Thistle host Queen's Park as they'll look to bounce back from taking Partick to extra time but no further in the Scottish Cup. St Johnson host Glasgow Girls and Women and Dundee United host Kilmarnock. Plenty of interesting ties, so why don't you get yourself along to a game on Sunday? And much more importantly, why don't you let us know how it is as well? We'd love to hear from you how you found your Sunday game. Anyone's game will be out at matches on Sunday, so why don't you keep an eye on our socials as well, and you'll get to keep up with everything that we're doing over the weekend. Well, that's all from this Anyone's Game podcast. Thank you very much to Robbie and Kenny for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having us, Gordon. Thanks to you for listening, and you'll hear us in the next one. Bye-bye.